Welcome to From First to Home. I'm your host, Scott Harris, a fan of both life and baseball. In each episode, we're going to round the bases together. We'll start in the batter's box. We'll review baseball history in the 1995 Mariners. And then proceed around the bases from first to home, covering current Mariners and life lessons along the way. Come on into this empty stadium and grab a seat wherever you'd like. Here in episode seven, we didn't quite make it. And now the mindset shifts to, hey, there's always next year or next season. Well, how about us personally? How was your year? How did you manage through the highs and lows? What was your number one highlight of the year? How did you overcome any low points you may have had? How are we better prepared heading into next year? And as we head into next year, what will you stop doing? What will you start doing? And what do you think you need to keep doing, moving your life in the direction that you'd like it to be? Write it out and believe that you can make it happen. Well, let's stroll on over to the batter's box of life together and prepare for that first pitch. Stepping into the 1995 batter's box and a final look back. In the last weekend of 1995, that final weekend against the Anaheim Angels, against Mark Langston, the former Mariner. The game again where Randy Johnson pitched all nine innings and a nine to one victory. And remember the crazy Luis Soho, Little League inside the park grand slam in the seventh inning. Probably the slowest player on the team makes it from home to home. Winning that one game playoff and securing first place in our division, we headed off to New York in our first playoff series in club history against the dreaded Yankees. Well, we don't need to rehash the fantastic highs and the disappointing loss of the 1995 season. What we do know is this. Edgar's the double was hit, and our superstar Ken Griffey Jr. scored all the way from first base. And the inspiration for the name of this podcast and how it was born. We need to remember that it takes teammates to bring us from first to home. Well, let's sprint down to first base. On December 2nd of 2021, with an expired collective bargaining agreement, then Major League Baseball has initiated a player lockout. And as of this recording at the end of 2021, and the 29th day of the lockout, we sit unsure of the 2022 season. Well, in 95, during a strike-shortened season, the Mariners finished 13 games over at 79-66 and and in first place. Should we be hoping for a shorter season? Should we hope for lesser games and maybe we break that 20-year playoff drought? Hmm, just not quite sure on that one. Let's quickly peek in on that catcher and steal second base. The 2021 Mariners finished second to the Astros with a 90-72 and 72 record. A nice, overachieving year. Comes up what I think is probably two games short of the playoffs. We did attend that last game of 2021. And after winning one and losing one to Anaheim Angels in the first two games of the series, we dropped that last game 7-3. This final game of the season would turn out to be Kyle Seeger's final game as a Mariner. And he just announced his retirement from baseball. My daughter is sad over that. Well, losing two out of the last three games of the season was really our season in a series. Okay, it's time for baseball funnies and baseball quotes. The devil calls on God and challenges him to a baseball game. 
Nine innings. Winner take all, he says. You're out of your mind, God replies. I have Satchel Paige, Stan Musial, Lou Gehrig, Jackie Robinson, Roberto Clemente, and the babe. You don't have a prayer. <laughs> yeah, the devil replies. But I got all the umpires. Cal Ripken has said, you could be a kid as long as you want, as long as you're playing baseball. Tommy Lasorda said, baseball is like driving. It's the ones who get home safely that count. Well, it was great to enjoy the final game of the year with my wife, daughter, and our friend Christina. We finished the day at 13 Coins Restaurant as Amy and Christina met Amber and I there on a bicycle chariot. Quite possibly the highlight of my season. All right, let's charge into third base, the toughest hit in baseball. Looking ahead, it's the challenges of change and improvement. The new Mariners that were added at the end of November, right before the lockout. On November 27th, we signed all-star two-bagger Adam Frazier from the San Diego Padres. Solid contact hitter. Adam hit 305 in 2021 and has a career 281 batting average. It'll be exciting to see how Abraham Toro is now best utilized. A couple days later, on November 30th, the M's signed starting pitcher Robbie Ray, Cy Young winner from the Toronto Blue Jays. He'll be signed to a five-year deal. Robbie went 13-7 and in 21 with a 2.84 ERA. I believe, personally, we still need a power-hitting third baseman and possibly another top starting pitcher. Just want to see you keep on rising, Mariners. Well, with Kyle Seeger retiring, we won't see him play with his brother, who went to Texas, as some had speculated. Looking forward. Number 22 is my favorite number. So bring it on, 2022. I'm optimistic that we'll reach an agreement and we will hear play ball sooner than later. Well, as Tommy Lasorda said it best, let's pull safely into home. Safe at home. The 95 Mariner Cinderella run ended on October 17th when the Cleveland Indians knocked them out of the playoffs in game six of that American League Championship Series. It was a disappointing end to an unlikely season, and their future in Seattle was still undecided. It'd be nearly a week before King County Council voted 10 to three to enact the stadium funding package that Washington State Legislature approved. Although groundbreaking on what would become Safeco Field was still 18 months off, baseball was finally safe in Seattle. But even that victory didn't come without a little bit of drama. Well, as we turned down the stadium lights on the 2021 year, I wanted to end the season and end the year with one of my favorite baseball stories. So sit back and enjoy it. These are some excerpts from an article written by Tom Friend in 2016. What makes baseball a pastime is its story time. Go to any big league or minor league clubhouse and there's bound to be somebody holding court, somebody telling a story that's half the team doubled over. Some are genuine whoppers. Many of them are X-rated. Others are mainly about somebody's IQ or lack thereof. But once in a while, there's a story you would take home to your mother, a story you'd write a song about, like former Mariner pitcher's Brad Holman's song. If you're curious, Holman's stats for the Mariners, he was 1-3 in three in 19 games. At this time, Holman was a bullpen coach for the Texas Rangers. He pitched in the big leagues again for the 93 Mariners and has led a typical nomadic baseball existence. There were minor league stops in Kansas City, Colorado, Baltimore, followed by coaching stints all over the map from Hickory to Round Rock. There were days he went to bed in El Paso and thought he had woken up in Odessa. 
But the one thing he'll never forget is where he heard the chicken runs at midnight. It was spring training, 2008. He was the pitching coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates AA affiliate, the Altoona Curve. He was about to complete a six-week stint in Brantonton, Florida, but just before camp broke, he and other coaches were ushered into a conference room and they were told they'd be hearing from a man named Rich Donnelly. At the time, Donnelly worked in the Pittsburgh Player Development Department, but everybody around the complex treated him like he was the top pirate. Donnelly had been part of the organization during the Halcyon days of the early 90s when Barry Bonds was a double hitter and Bobby Bonilla was still an underdog. Those were electric teams on the cusp of championships, and the 2008 staff members were sure he had stories to tell. Certain he could impart some wisdom to help get the buckos back on top. As expected, Donnelly began with a reference to the 92 Pirates. Everyone remembered this season like it was yesterday. A division title under manager Jim Leland. A trip to the National League Championship Series against the Atlanta Braves. A riveting seventh inning game on national stage. Donnelly had been the team's third base coach. Was going to get all of that. But first, he began by talking about his daughter. Her name was Amy. Same as my wife. And during the spring of 92, she had called her dad from her home in Arlington, Texas. A 17-year-old high school senior, Amy had been having problems with her peripheral vision. Enough so that her doctor said had sent her in for an extensive test. A couple of years prior, she had collapsed while playing baseball, which raised some, some suspicion. But this was a different sort of concern. She could see straight ahead, but when the doctor moved his finger from her face, she had zero ability to follow it. Her dad, who had divorced her mom and out of pocket in Bradenton, had no idea of all of this was playing out. No idea she'd gone un undergone a CT scan. So when she called Rich during that spring of 92, he had no inkling of what was up. Dad, there's something I gotta tell you, Amy said. I have a brain tumor and I'm sorry. As Rich shared, this at the Bradenton conference room, Brad Holman, 40 years old at the time, could feel himself welling up. He sensed this story was going to end badly, which was confirmed when Rich told the group that Amy's doctor gave her just nine months to live. Still, Holman found himself unable to turn away from the speed. Rich began telling the coaches about the rest of the 92 season, how the Pirates surged into first place all while Amy was undergoing chemo and radiation. By August, Amy was telling Rich that she was going to beat cancer and Rich told the group, she talked to me into believing she was going to get through this. When the Pirates then reached the 92 National League Championship Series against the Braves, Rich talked about how he invited Amy, her brother Tim, and her best friend Cindy Sample to Pittsburgh for the Game 5. At the time, the Pirates trailed Atlanta 3-1, but it was still a festive outing in the, for the Donnelly family. Tim was in the dugout as a bat boy while Amy and Cindy had seats about seven rows behind home plate. From their perch, the girls had a close-up view of Rich coaching third base. He was unique in the way that he went about his job, cupping his hands together when a runner was on second base. The better they could hear him howl instructions. The girls joked about what he might be telling the runners. They cackled that he was probably asking them, what do they want for after game meal, Chinese food or pizza? As the Pirates pulled away and won the game, Amy was having the time of her life. During the car ride home, Amy dangled her arms around Rich and said, Hey, Dad, when you get down in that stance and you cup your hands, what are you telling those guys at second base? 
The chicken runs at midnight or what? Everyone in the car belly laughed, and Rich almost drove off the road. No one in the family knew where that line had come from. It was too nonsensical. When do chickens run at midnight? Who would be up at midnight to see it? It's too dark to see them run anyway. Rich asked Amy how she thought of that. And she said, I just don't know. That it was just something that whooshed out of my mouth. As Holman heard this portion of his story, he grinned and looked locked in on Rich. Soon Rich was telling them about the ensuing Game 7 against the Braves. Hours before the pitch, a clubhouse kid had dropped by and handed him a note. He grabbed it and he saw that it said something written on the top. While you were out, it said, the chicken runs at midnight. As Rich was chuckling to himself, Pirate second baseman Jose Lynn sneaked a peek over his shoulder and saw the note. What's this, Lynn said. Chicken runs at midnight, man, Donnelly told him. Next thing Donnelly knew, Lynn was running all over the clubhouse saying, chicken runs at midnight. He even said it during the nationally televised lineup introductions. Amy was back home watching the game on TV with Tim and Cindy and couldn't believe her ears. She felt like she was there. And if the Pirates won, her dad was going to take her to the World Series. Well, the Pirates lost Game 7 with two outs in the bottom of the ninth when Sid Bream, an ex-Pirate, barely scored from second base on a base hit hit to left field. The season was over, and three months later, Amy died at the age of 18. Amy Donnelly coined the phrase, when the chicken runs at midnight. There wasn't a dry eye in the room, Holman remembers. The men in the conference room thought the story was over, that this was a nice tale about a hard-luck father losing his daughter. But Rich kept talking. He told them for a few years later, in 1997, he was coaching third base for the Florida Marlins. He spent as much time as possible with the remaining members of his family, his three sons, Bubba, Mike, and Tim. He even had Mike and Tim join the Marlins periodically as bat boys. The more hours he could spend with them, the better. The boys made sure to be seen but not heard in the Marlins clubhouse. But they couldn't help but introduce themselves to the rookie second baseman who had just been acquired at a trade deadline, Craig Council. Council was not far from them age-wise, Tim being 17 at this point, and the rookie would initiate conversations with the two boys. In turn, Tim and Mike would congregate at Council's locker, and before batting practice, the players would hit ground balls or fungos to them. The boys particularly got a kick out of Council's batting stats. He held his bat high and would flap his elbows, and he'd wait the pitch. He was scrawny, too. Tim and Mike instantly said that he looked like a chicken and named him Chicken Man. They didn't dare tell Council this, but they mentioned it to their dad at nausea. One night after the game, Rich asked, the, asked them who their favorite Marlin was, and they immediately spouted, the chicken! On a team with Bonilla, Gary Sheffield, Rich got a kick out of that. That Marlins team also had Levon Hernandez, Moises Alou, and Kevin Brown. They were loaded, and by October of 97, they were in the World Series against the Cleveland Indians. The series went the distance to the seventh game, and Tim and Mike were right there, ringside as bat boys. That final decisive game seemed like it would never end. The Indians held a lead at the bottom of the ninth, but a sack fly by Council scored the tying run. In the bottom of the 11th, Council ended up on third base with two outs. Edgar Renteria singled him in to win the World Series, sending Rich running deliriously through the infield as the Marlins jumped on top of the Marlins. Rich noticed his son, Tim, shouting, screaming, and tears running down his face. Dad, Dad, look! Tim shouted to Rich. What do you mean, look? 
Rich said, look, where? Dad, behind you, look at the clock. Tim screamed, Dad, the chicken ran at midnight. Rich turned around, and it was true. Craig Council had scored the winning run a few minutes after midnight, and Amy's prophecy had finally come to light. Rich broke down on the field late that night, breaking down again as he shared the story with Brad Holman, those pirate coaches there in Bradenton, Florida. They all stared up at him in awe. The moral of the story wasn't about a hard luck father. It was that his daughter had revealed herself to her father after death. Holman was never quite the same. Rich Donnelly cried the first time he heard the song, Chicken Runs at Midnight. After the speech, Holman approached Donnelly for a favor. Would you mind if I wrote a song about this, he asked. Donnelly had told his story to people for years. He had shared it with players and coaches and every team he ever worked for. The Rockies, the Brewers, the Dodgers which meant hundreds of major league players knew of Amy. Players like Brad Penny, Jason Worth swore by the story. There was a midnight charity race in New Jersey, but no one, not one, had asked if they could ever write a song about it. Donnelly was flattered and gave his blessing to Holman. He then loaded his guitar into his pickup and started driving to Altoona, Pennsylvania. In his mind, the lyrics started coming. Songwriting had been his passion and hobby for over a decade. Though he did most of the singing in the shower, and by the time he had driven 17 hours from Bradenton to Altoona, the song, The Chicken Runs at Midnight, was ready to be written down on paper. Rich's story had given him more faith in that what reflected in the chorus of his song, The Chicken Runs at Midnight. Is that what you told him, Dad? He said, Honey, that is silly. What made you think of that? The Chicken Runs at Midnight. The imagination of a girl probably should have been forgotten, but instead they were sacred words. The next day, Holman brought his guitar to the Altoona Stadium press box and recorded the song. Probably the best story, not just baseball story, but a family story and the story of hope. Holman said he blows the rest of them out of the water. In other words, he rated chicken runs at midnight over every story he had ever heard in baseball. Better than the babe calling his shot in 1932, Better than David Wells pitching a perfect game hungover. Better than anything that had had him doubled over in Hickory. So he sent the song to Rich Donnelly, who listened to it for the first time and broke down in tears, and has listened to it every Father's Day since, because as far as he's concerned, Brad Holman can sing Amy Donnelly back to life. To tie this back to local baseball with the Seattle Mariners, Donnelly was named manager of the Class AAA Tacoma Rainiers on January 16th of 14. He became the Seattle Mariner third base coach on March 7th of 14, never managing a single game for the Tacoma Rainiers. Well, this will bring episode seven and the year of 2021 to close. Thanks again for hanging in there with me over these seven episodes. The first one from first to home, opening day, covering life and baseball's ground rules. Episode two, everything begins at home. One of my strongest beliefs. Episode three, first things first. We're still putting first things first. Episode four, the breaks. Right there in the middle of the year, we get a break. Or Griffey's broken wrist. Episode five, the kid is back. The comeback begins. Where's your comeback begin in your life? Episode six, never quit. They didn't quit in 95. They didn't quit in 2021. We're not going to quit in 2022. Please remember to subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms. Send me your favorite life or baseball stories. I'd love to hear them. Share this podcast with somebody that loves both life 
and baseball. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. And the next episode will be next year, as in there's always next year. From first to home, life lessons and baseball stories, where everything begins at home. All the best to you in 2022.